Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Orlova. I'm an OCD specialist and I have OCD. I've helped people from all over the world. And the most common thing that I see and hear people with OCD is that they feel isolated, confused about OCD and ERP, and oftentimes misunderstood. There are online self-study courses out there with once a month Q&A calls. What I've done is created a Mastering OCD membership to address the two most common questions that I hear. I can't have access, I can't gain access, and I can't afford it. My membership really helps to close this gap. You have weekly live Q&A calls. There's pre-recorded six weeks worth of training. And regardless if you're starting in week one or if you're at the end of week six, you will always have access to live weekly Q&A calls. Living with OCD means being able to have ongoing support and ability to review your foundational training. People often doubt if they can really get better. And the answer is yes, you can, but you have to put in the work and you get what you put in. So if you are interested in joining, go to www.coreresults.com forward slash mastering OCD. Thanks so much and see you there. All right. Hello, Shiva, and welcome to OCD Whisper Podcast. Thank you for having me, Christina. Happy to be here. Absolutely. So you are somebody I definitely know... Um, Focus and, and I mean, you treat OCD and anxiety disorders, but I also know specifically relationship OCD is something that's uh, really familiar to you. Yes, it's like sort of a just a passion of mine to treat that particular sub theme. I love treating all anxiety disorders and OCD. I have an OCD diagnosis myself, and so it's really near and dear to my heart to work with this entire community and a whole population. Um, but I have struggled in the past with relationship uh, OCD myself, and I think it's misunderstood in some ways. In a lot of ways, it's certainly rarely caught out in sort of like the, the real world. And so I have a real, um, I, I would call it like a subspecialty or a, a personal passion for treating it. Beautiful. I think one of the things that people sometimes hear or know when it comes to relationship OCD, there's a little more information about like really partner focus where you can doubt the partner or doubt the relationship. But I wanted to know if you can talk a little bit about how might it present itself maybe in a romantic or a non-romantic situation. So, you know, how might it be coming up like if you have close relationships with your friends or um, colleagues or how else, where else can it also show up? What would it look like? What could somebody look for to kind of get a clue that, oh, yeah, this might be in that vein? Sure. So I will say it is probably, um, you know, the, the overwhelming majority of what we call relationship OCD is generally referring to romantic relationships. So I, I rarely, you know, I treat all sort of iterations of OCD, but 
I would say an overwhelming majority, over 95% of what I treat that we consider sort of relationship OCD is individuals with concerns about their romantic relationships. So their uh, romantic partner, their uh, dating partner, their their husband or wife, um, that's the majority of what I see. And in uh, in my book that's coming out in, um, in spring of 2021, that's the majority focus. And the reason for that is the reason why we see such an overwhelming majority of romantic relationships as the fixation is because that tends to be an arena where there's a lot of emphasis. So culturally, socially, we sort of have this obsession with romantic love. It's this, um, you know, it's this state that's going to save us. It's going to solve all of our problems. That's sort of like, we call that the myth of the one, right? You're going to find one person and they're going to save you from all your suffering. And so, especially in Western cultures, we have this fixation with romantic love. And what we know about OCD, right? What we talk about all the time is that what, what's important, what matters, what is valued is oftentimes what's attacked. So um, that's the reason why, in my opinion, the majority of what we're talking about with ROCD is always going to be a sort of a romantic relationship. But that doesn't mean that you can't see it in other settings. And technically, the definition of a relationship OCD or relational OCD Mm-hmm. is also going to apply to relationships in your life. So just like you're saying, Christina, it could be with friends, it could be with colleagues, it could be with children, it could be with God. And you want to think about it as, uh, is there a fixation with the rightness of your relationship? So again, with any of those individuals, mm-hmm. with the rightness of your relationship, with the quality of your relationship, with how they feel about you, are you loved enough by your friends? Are you respected enough by your colleagues? Is your relationship with God in a solid enough place? Um, these kinds of questions are the exact same types of questions one might ask with their romantic partner, but it's sort of like the um, the partner switches, you know, character. So that could be again your your friend, your um, your child, uh, that kind of thing. Fascinating. Um, and so I think that's actually really important to highlight, right? Like you were saying that it's it's not just um, you know, is this the right partner, but definitely that it can, it can look like that too, where it can be like, you know, do my friends love me enough? Or it, does this feel like it, we're close enough? Or is it right enough? And it could be with your parents. It could be with, with siblings, kids, like you said. I mean, really, it's just a matter of understanding where in the relational dynamic are you getting stuck um, so you can start to actually catch the pattern. Um, exactly. exactly. Well said. So I am curious to know my second question that I have, and for um, listeners, I think that oftentimes still, you know, I know we're both in the field and so, you know, we hear it a lot, but it's amazing every time I keep hearing and I keep reminding myself, right, this is not common knowledge. It still is not common knowledge, which is like compulsions, right? Still in the media and otherwise, I mean, as far as most people know, it's usually still people are familiar with like cleaning or aligning things. Um, And there's still a lot of miseducation. But what would you say are some of the common things that somebody can look out for to understand if they're engaging in compulsions around this particular theme and subset? Absolutely. Yeah, I know it really is. Um, I, thankfully, we're, we're, I think we're seeing more and more education and information out there. I mean, thankfully, like with shows like Pure and yes. uh, with sort of all the great, even just advocates like yourself and accounts coming on Instagram accounts, it's great to see more information out there. But I agree, it's still so uh, such an underserved population, such a misunderstood condition. And then, oh gosh, especially you have the sub-themes, um, ROCD being one of them, that's just so often mis- misdiagnosed and mistreated. 
treated. Um, but yeah, so some common compulsions or how you can sort of recognize if you have it. So I would start out with the general thought process that we take for any kind of compulsion identification, which is, is this a want? Is this behavior like a want or a preference? Or does it feel compulsive? Like, does it feel like a need? Does it feel like I have to do this in order to be okay? So for example, you can have an individual who wants to um, Google something like they're interested in like, you know, oh, you know, what, what, how do I, you know, how do I know if my partner's the one, but that's kind of like a recreational Google that they're doing. Maybe they do it once. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're talking with a friend and they're asking their friend, well, how did you know? Or, you know, what, what do you consider toxic qualities in a relationship? Something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, it's asked without, you know, I don't need to know this answer in order to be okay. I want to know this answer. So if you have that kind of casual, you know, it's like a person's just asking, they're curious, that's generally not what we'd consider a compulsion. Compulsion, compulsive behavior is need to know or else. Need to know or else I won't be okay. Must figure out a urgent one. <laughs> Urgency is a great word for it, right? It's like, uh, it just, you know, and your anxiety is ramping up and it's really not, it, your anxiety is, it needs to be fed by this compulsion. So it's fundamentally kind of a different energy when you're talking about compulsion, And then kind of specifically for ROCD, you're looking for a lot of, um, you know, I think one key point for ROCD is you generally have actually a pretty safe and solid relationship. Now, I know that's kind of up for debate. What does it mean to have a safe and solid relationship? But all I really mean when I say that is it's not toxic and in this obvious way. You know, your partner's good to you. They're respectful. They're kind. They're thoughtful. You know, they're generally, generally, there's a lot of um, shared interest and compatibility. Right. It's not like a toxic, like personality disorder or something or or some other substance or some really heavy duty traumas or, or really things like that, right? It's more like generally from what I'm hearing you say, it's like, it's actually a really good, viable, real relationship. Exactly. We would never want to treat, you know, for ROCD, if there was abuse, for example, in the relationship, that would be um, completely, I mean, it used to be a wrong approach to start with that. So absolutely that is you're looking for, and I use that word a lot of times viable, which sometimes sounds, I always say that sounds so clinical and creepy, but yeah, if you're in a viable relationship, but you have this massive amount of anxiety present, oftentimes that's where you kind of start, stop for a second. And you're like, what's going on here? You know, I'm with a good person. They might, they might not be perfect. They might not be the absolute best person in the world for you. Sorry about that. That's Wesley. I love it. I love being human. And having like that, that's awesome. And he's protecting the house while we're doing this podcast. I love it. But yeah, it's it's basically that you have this disproportionate anxious reaction in a relationship that might not be perfect, but certainly isn't isn't bad or harmful to you. And right. yet you feel as if it, oh no, something's super wrong. So it's oftentimes a, de- a sort of a, a giveaway that you could be in a, a situation where there's relationship anxiety present. Got it. And so what might be some um, things that somebody might uh, notice for themselves, uh, like some examples, just to give a couple? Like I, I know one thing, for example, that comes to mind that I know like my audience definitely has heard me, me discuss several times is compulsive rumination, compulsive analysis, like mentally, constantly trying to figure something out and going over it in your head a hundred thousand times and attempting to arrive at some sort of an answer. Uh, and again, like you said, it is really, it is really important to, to have that distinction. I, I think that's a really important point you made again, that it is an actual healthy, viable relationship, right? Where you are really, there's a connection, not that it's based on, again, that there's, you know, drama, trauma, and 
whatever else going on that really needs to be addressed first to really see is this actually really even a fit, um, right? Because that's really the foundation. And if the foundation is good and everything else is working, then you start to step in and say, okay, hold on, let's have another look at this. So one example sounds like compulsively somebody might end up going in their head um, and constantly asking themselves a million questions in an attempt to get clarity, but all they get is a million more questions. So that could be one sign of where you might recognize, hmm, this something here is off. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, assuming you have that fundamental viable relationship, that good, solid, core, loving partnership, then yeah, you're looking for, you know, I guess what, what it could kind of look like is, is, you know, hours a day of kind of checking, is this relationship right? Checking your own symptoms. So how do I feel about this person? Do I feel in love enough? Do I miss them enough? Do I enjoy this kiss enough? Do I enjoy intimacy with them enough? Do I want it enough? So a lot of checking of the self, of course, a lot of scanning of the partner too. Are they attractive enough, smart enough? Are we compatible enough? So that can be happening hours a day. Lots of avoidant behavior too. You want to be on the lookout for avoiding commitment, um, avoiding vulnerability. So individuals might not be, for example, texting, you know, I love you. I'm so excited to see you. They might not text things like that. They might avoid sort of like um, romantic comedies and like I want to say Taylor Swift songs can be so triggering because it's all about like you know finding the one and so lots of avoidance um, can be an indicator that you could be feeling relationship anxiety um, lots of reassurance seeking kind of like the examples we were talking about mm-hmm. asking your family members you know hey how do you feel about this person are they right for me do you think I look in love enough googling <laughs> yeah plenty and this this is fascinating because it's true right this is that topic that really you know, this is something that we do do as people, but with OCD, it's where you do that to like, it, it goes extra. It, it suddenly goes on steroids and you're, do, you, you're doing that like nonstop versus somebody who checks in, kind of hears things, takes it in, digests it and moves on. And you're not able to move on on any level. You just keep getting stuck in this perpetually cycle. Yeah. And I will say, I think that's one thing that makes ROCD slightly uh, unique is not, you know, again, it's, it's just, it's OCD at the end of the day. But one thing I think that's so interesting about ROCD is we have this, this really extreme tolerance, like socially, we have this tolerance. Like if Christina, if you and I sat down and had coffee and I wanted to tell you all about my relationship, you wouldn't even bat an eye, right? Maybe if you knew I had ROCD, you would, but typically if I'm like, oh, this is happening. And what do you think? And do you think he's the one? And but you're going to listen to me. And that's just, you know, us chatting right yeah and then you literally move on with your day like you're on to the next thing you're not even thinking about it and I would say that's somewhat different than something like POCD or harm OCD like generally girls don't you know friends don't just sit down and say hey right. yeah thought. <laughs> so I think there's this like real um there's a real obsession with romantic love in this kind of broad cultural sense and there's a real tolerance for it's really normal to want to talk and ask about it and, and it is but I think we're talking about like you said here to what degree right talking about it casually in conversation is not necessarily a compulsion but if that becomes like you know it's really taking over your life and your mindset and it's keeping you from connection that you fundamentally want with your partner we might be cruising into ROCD territory or relationship anxiety territory. Beautiful. Wow. Thank you so much. I think this has been really such a a great episode to really dive into this and and, um, kind of uncover some of those pieces. And I really hope that this, well, I know for sure it's definitely going to help whoever needs to hear this um, 
So I'd love to have listeners know where they can find you. And um, you mentioned your book, if you can give us the name again. And I, I know you said 2021, but I'd love to, um, whatever you can share, if you can. Sure. Sure. Well, first off, just thank you so much for having me, Christina, and you're the work you're doing. And I think it's just awesome that we have individuals like yourself who are out here, again, just spreading information and just offering these resources. So thank you so much for having me and for doing what you do. And and yeah, I'm really honored that I, I, uh, I'm getting to write a book on relationship OCD. Uh, it's going to be called Overcoming ROCD, and it's published through New Harbinger. And that book is going to be available in uh, spring of 2021. That's when it's going to be available through, um, I think, you know, multiple different avenues. Um, but where you can find me and where you can find my clinic, I'm the director of the Center for Anxiety and OCD down in Irvine, California. And we treat all throughout California. And um, are practicing a lot of telehealth right now, like everybody is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, we are, uh, we're found online, caocd.com. You can give us a call and, um, and, you know, book time to speak with me or one of my clinicians and we'd be happy to help. Beautiful. Of course, I'll make sure to include it in the show notes. Thank you so much for today. It's been awesome to have you. I'm so privileged that you jumped on here with me and we were able to do this. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of your week. Uh, Likewise, Christina, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you want ongoing support with live weekly Q&A calls to address your questions about OCD, go to www.coreresults.com forward slash mastering OCD.